Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a special one for you as we continue our series on the six points of financial planning. The six points are, as a reminder, and by the way, that's where our name came from, investment planning, risk management, retirement income, tax planning. Today we are covering some estate planning, and the next episode will be on some custom goal planning, things that we've seen. So today we have Neil Lyons coming to us all the way from the Sarasota area in sunny Florida. Neil, how are you doing today, man? Doing good today, Dave. It's going to be a high 80. Anybody up there in Rochester feel like coming down? They don't have to have any other excuse other than to hear that, I'm sure. I, I guess it uh, depends on when they listen to this, right? So, Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, if they're listening to it in the summer, they're going to be like, okay. It's January 7th, by the way. The recording of this is January 7th, 2022. So there we go, Neil. It's um, a beautiful day, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. So we can tell you're from Florida, and some folks will ask why I have a guy from Florida as a guest on Dear Rochester Retire Well. So I'll tell them now, people are moving to Florida. They're moving all over the place, but it's a lot of people's retirement goal is to move. They need to update some documents, which I want to cover. They're retiring, they're snowbirding to a different state. Again, it doesn't have to be Florida, but how long have you been in Florida, Neil? Uh, since 95, 1995. 95. So you've been around a while. What are you seeing as far as like people moving down? Is it as crazy as what, what we hear? I, uh, I don't think I've ever seen so many out-of-state plates, Dave. It's, um, it's, definitely, it's definitely grown quite a bit. Yeah. What, do you, where are they coming from? Where are those, where do you, those plates you see? New York. Absolutely. New York a lot. Yeah. Massachusetts. Um, uh, pretty much the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, but, but, Neil, the schools are bad. There's hurricanes. There's alligators. There's weird snakes. What do you say to those folks? If you could brave through all that stuff, it's going to be a really nice place to live. You know, there's nothing like waking up and seeing what looks like a dinosaur on your front yard, but it's really just an alligator. <laughs> Need I say, I don't think I'm personally, legally, you know, as a lawyer, I always have to watch out for these things. I don't think I'm legally responsible if I don't tell people this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Don't approach alligators if they're in your front yard. Call the authorities. You don't want to lose an arm or anything like that. But no. no, Dave, actually, I have been here for since, as I told you, I've been here since 95. I have never seen personally a venomous snake. The only time I've ever seen a venomous snake here in, in Florida is at, is at the zoo. So, you know, no, it's, it's beautiful. The hurricanes, meh, they're few and far between. It's no big I, I'm just telling you from New York, that's, uh, that, that's what we hear about. Oh, I know. Hurricanes, Listen, alligators, yeah. And I, the other thing I'm sure you guys heard about a lot in New York is Tom Brady. And if you move down here, you're going to be hearing about him even more, except this time you actually get to root for a team that he's on. So it's a win-win if you move down here. So in Western New York, nobody will root for a team that Tom Brady is on, Neil. So let's move on, man. I've got you warmed up a little bit. Folks, if you can tell, if I get Neil warmed up, we'll never stop. So, Neil, let me start with this. Because, because of the amount of people moving, they're all they're northeast of Florida. And we'll just use Florida as the example because that's where your practice is. What, what should someone do to update their documents, number one? And when I say documents, what documents are we talking about? And I'll ask you any questions that might be a little get a little complicated. Not a problem at all, Dave. Uh, so 
when you're talking about estate planning documents, um, you know, estate planning being one of the one of the points on the uh, the six points, um, we're talking about it, it could be anywhere from a typical will, standard last will and testament, um, or even a revocable trust. And then there, of course, you have a myriad of other kinds of trusts, such as irrevocable trust, which is probably too much to get into for this podcast. But nevertheless, revocable trusts can include irrevocable trusts, last will and testament, and then you have a part of an estate a more a comprehensive estate plan. We're going to be talking about uh, what we call advanced directives. Those are the items that you hear about often, but your clients probably hear about often durable powers of attorney, healthcare surrogate designation, living will, you know, throwing a HIPAA authorization. So like, as I said, you know, it could be anywhere from a trust to a last will and testament. And then those advanced directive documents that I just talked about that would be that those documents in and of themselves, those bare bones documents are what would comprise an estate plan. So I, I do have a lot of clients that have moved or are moving to different states. If if somebody does not update those things, what happens? Well, as far as as far as like negative consequences, one of the ones that I've that I've seen on last wills and testament is certain states don't have um, what we have here, which is a homestead law, right? And homestead can include you know caps on on annual you know, real estate tax assessments. But one of the big things that Homestead does is it prevents, it prevents creditors from forcing you to sell your home, unless those creditors, of course, are secured creditors. When you do documents in another state, a lot of times, and I, and I have plenty of clients who, new clients that are new, Flor- you know, Florida residents, they come in and they say, I, I look at their documents and it says, I, I direct my executor to sell my primary residence and distribute those proceeds to my beneficiaries. If that, if you move down here and you have a will that has that, it actually wipes out creditor protections during probate. It could okay. subject your real property to creditor claims. So that's okay. one of the things I look for. One of the first things I look for when I when I when I see uh, you know a resident from up north come down, I look at that. I look at the distribution clause in their will to determine to find out whether they've they've said yes, my personal rep, whether they direct their executor to sell the home. Okay. So I, and, I mean, that's, that's one example, but let's take a quick step back because I kind of just dove into it right there. What, what got you into law in the first place? Oh, you want to, you want to go into let's my take a step ba- back. Yeah, like yeah. That? Oh, okay. Sure. sure. <laughs> you got to build some credibility <laughs> here, Neil. I, I could have anybody on reading this off of the, off of the Google. Right. So let's, let's, well, I've, act, I've been doing that actually. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, so what, what got me into law in the first place? Interestingly enough, I, I, uh, to be as candid as possible. I went into law because I wanted to have a nice car. I thought that that was the pathway <laughs> to have a nice car. Yep. It was as simple and materialistic and silly as that. And, and then obviously that developed into, you know, it, it, and I actually really kind of enjoyed doing, you know, going through law school and doing it. And uh, what actually got me into elder law is I was actually volunteering in 2014. I was volunteering at a legal aid society uh, because the job market still was a little tough. And um, I had called an old friend of mine because I had a question about guardianships. And uh, he had his, him and his father had their own, their own firm together with another, another attorney. And uh, um, I asked him questions about a, a, you know, a pro bono guardianship. I was trying to help somebody out with. And uh, he said, Oh, what are you doing? And I said, uh, well, I'm just volunteering. And he said, well, why, you know, we have room for another attorney over here. Would you be interested in doing elder law? And I said, yes. And that, so through (laughs) by volunteering at a legal aid society, I actually got into elder law and that was about seven, eight years ago. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Many people that I talked to, including myself, almost fell into something because they wanted to make a bunch of money or they wanted something, 
some some material item and that's then right. afterward they develop the passion for it that's exactly yeah that's exactly what happened you know and very uh you know when you're 27 26 27 you you, you think of the world in that way at least i did yeah it, my wife got me into financial planning i don't know if you know that she she was interning in an office and she said they make a lot of money and they don't do anything and i was like, <laughs> yeah i was 22 years old i'm like i'm in yeah absolutely Th then as you study and get better and become better at your profession you, you get more passionate about certain things so well, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, my part of my story too, you know, I'm glad you mentioned your wife is my wife thought that it would be a, you know, that I would, I would do well at it. And, you know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be able to do this. You know, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So, I mean, yeah, same, same for me, you know, that's also part of it as well. So you mentioned um, elder law. When someone hears that, I'm just thinking as the average listener, I'm thinking of just for lack of a better way to say it, we don't have too many podcast listeners in this age group. I'm just thinking really old people. <laughs> what what is elder law? Well, essentially it, it it does deal with those individuals that are that are that are elder, right? And and usually comprehensive elder law is is as part of the practice it includes guardianship. Um I believe they call it in New York if it's guardianship the property conservatorship. Um it also includes um estate planning and it includes probate do, conducting probate administration. Mm -hmm. The other issue is um um public benefits, right? So Medicare, Medicaid, that kind of that's one of the essential elements of it is, is, is um, advising clients on Medicaid eligibility for long-term care, um, helping clients with the Medicare, Medicare yep. benefits, you know, a, you know, Medicare, A, B, C, you know, et cetera. Yep. Um, you know, helping, helping clients figure out, uh, you know, and in, in, in conjunction with a, with a, uh, with a uh, financial, financial advisor, such as yourself, David, um, how much money, you know, let's look at what we're going to do when it comes time to, to go into an assisted living, how much money should we have set aside? It, 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 it actually, you know, what kind of estate plan should I have to help facilitate that? It, it, it all goes into it. That's not, that's a really, it's more of a description rather than a definition. Right. So. Right. It, well, well, it makes sense. I mean, again, you can get into that all day, but one of the things that when we're working with a client is, and this is the reason I said elder is if, if somebody's 40 years old with three children, they still need to take care of their estate planning stuff. Agreed. So just basic things. So if we have a 35 or 40 year old listener, it really any, I could say for anybody should have a basic estate plan. Like what, what should those people do in general? And I know this is complete general advice. This does not sure. constitute legal advice, Neil. This does not. Uh, so we're going to hear it again at the end. We'll probably say it at the beginning. I'll keep saying that to make sure uh, you're out of trouble, right? That's right. I'm an attorney, right? You know, it happens to be the new year and I'm, I, I, I can wish you David, but in no way guarantee you a happy new year. And that's how it goes. Um, so for, let's just say you have a couple of clients who are in their forties, right? I'm always going to say, you know, the general, the general advice to individuals in that category is, you know, have your will lined up, have your durable power of attorney lined up, have your healthcare surrogate lined up, have your living will lined up. But if you have children, if you have minor children, that's where the estate, that's where the estate plan actually earns its money. You know, that's where the estate planner actually earns its money. And, and sometimes as an estate planner slash elder law attorney, you have to navigate between spouses who is going to care. God forbid, you know, you and your missus, if you guys ever get an opportunity to go away, I know you probably don't that often, but, um, you know, and, and, and God forbid something happens to you, who's going to care for your children, uh, you know, and, and, and there are obviously those, those family dynamics, which 
sometimes the clients hash out right in front of you, the attorney, um, you know, where, well, your mom doesn't like this, my mom, and how is my mom going to see the kids? You know, all those things are things to think about. Of course, nobody, nobody wants to think about what would happen if a, if a plane goes down because it just doesn't happen that often. But, you know, most of what we, for 40 year olds, the issue is really, and with minor children, the issue is who's going to care for your minor children. And all those things can be accomplished in pre-need guardian designations for minors and, and, and guardian designations in your will. And those, those can be accomplished through those devices, those so estate devices. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. If I'm listening to this, I'm like, holy cow, this seems like a lot of stuff. And this is what I try to tell people. I was like, it because it sounds so complicated, your, your healthcare proxies, your powers of attorney, your, your will, and uh, you call it a, what the surrogate, <laughs> like healthcare surrogate. Sure. Healthcare. So how, how much time does this take? Because I, this is on everybody's to-do list. I, I'm serious. Almost everybody that I meet with, it's like, yeah, we've been meaning to do that. Or, Hey, I'm in the middle of that. Or I mean, I've been meaning to update that. How much time does somebody have to actually spend? And I know the answer to this, but I want them to hear it from you. Like how much time do they have to spend to just get this done and get it over with? So I, I would say, you know, no more than, than, you know, the client themselves sitting down with the attorney and then reviewing documents, which I always encourage my clients to do before they sign anything, yep. uh, you know, total of three hours tops, you know, between meeting with me. Now, some may want to spend more time. You know, if, you, if you're asking me, you know, there's two different categories. It sounds like, David, that you're asking me about. One is, I want to get this done. How long does it take? Two, two and a half to three hours, right? And then you have another client who says, you know, I'd want to get it done. And I don't mind it taking me that long. So that can be as long as they want. Yeah. Uh, but for, the, for those that I think that you're looking to target, David, uh, those that are saying, oh, God, I really don't want to do this, and, you know, but I have to, two and a half, three hours stops. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I love the people that want to go do it. I'm oh, they're my go- favorites. Yeah, I'm just going with the majority, right? It's like- yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's who we're targeting here. Yeah, yeah, that, that's and who I, we're thinking about. And you know this once you see, and for the listeners out there, once you see that this, when this stuff is not done, what happens on the other side? God forbid. It's like it's really hard for me not to go out there and be like, I, I'm going to drive you to an attorney's office to get this done, which I can't do. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's so important. It's one of those things you don't need it until you need it. And then everybody has horror stories. I mean, there, there, and, and you think that people are all set. And I can give you a number of famous people, right, that did not have their estate planning stuff in order. Their spouses didn't get what they would have want, wanted them to. Their kids didn't get what they wanted them to get. And what happens then is it, it goes basically by the state, right? So whatever the state decides to do in a way, and then it becomes long and dragged out. And it's a process that if we would have just taken two to three hours to get this done, we almost don't have to think about it again. I know you need to update it, but you almost don't have to think about it. So that's right. What does your average client look like? We're just talking about two, two different subsets, I would say, but what is the average person that comes in? Like, who are you typically working with? I'm actually, Dave, the majority of people I'm getting now more than six, I'd say 60% a rough estimate is individuals that have moved down from up North and they have existing documents and they want them reviewed, yeah. uh, which, you know, we do complimentary and, um, or, um, individuals that have moved down and say, you know what, I, I've been thinking about this a long time. I want to get it done. So transplants, 
people that you know people that are um, leaving the Northeast, and it's typically the Northeast, and they're moving down here, and they're saying, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody to uh, to to be," and, and they're actually looking to establish an attorney-client relationship down here. So that's the typical the typical client, somebody moving down from the Northeast, looking to establish themselves here, who have existing documents and need them reviewed. So is that who's the be- the best the best fit for Neil and his firm? Is that really what you were looking for as far as working with people? I mean, I could talk to anybody that's looking forward to doing estate planning, but yes, right, that's right. the ones that, I mean, those, those are the individuals that, uh, you know, people that are moving down here and looking to have their documents reviewed. Yes. Those individuals are exactly who we're looking to serve. I mean, we're looking to serve anyone who wants, who wants help, obviously, but you know, that's the individuals that, that are most likely going to be calling here are those that are moving down and need their documents reviewed. Exactly. So and I would, I would love to get this question from a financial standpoint. So I'll, I'll give you a layup here. If these people are listening right now and they're, they just, they've just moved from Illinois, New York, wherever it is, and they're now in your area and you could tell them anything you wanted to without them giving you like a rebuttal, <laughs> what, what unsolicited advice would you give those people right away? You could say uh, anything you want. You know, if you have documents, give give us a call, and we'll uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll yeah. review those documents for you. Absolutely. So, an interesting fact about Neil. Neil, tell us a little bit about your firm. For our firm's motto is uh, "Law Powered by Women." Julie Larson and Christina Goldberg are my uh, managing partners here, and they're both personal injury attorneys. Um, and I'm I do the um, the elder law side of things here. So, so how do you fit into that firm, Neil? Quite well, actually. Give me give me a story of where you have seen something that has gone wrong and how it easily could have been avoided, if that makes sense. I remember the one, um, the attorney was a Jerry that you had on before. Yep. Jerry. He had mentioned, yep. yeah, he, he was, he was, um, Jerry, Jerry was great to listen to. He, he was talking about, uh, uh, somebody who didn't change their beneficiary designations on life insurance. Oh, so yeah. that luckily that has not happened to me. Uh, what did happen though, is I had somebody who wanted a probate. It had, you know, this, the person had already passed away. And they had done exactly what I said happened. They had they had directed their executor. We call down in Florida. We call them personal representatives. They're from New York, and they directed their executor to sell their primary residence. They didn't give them the option to do it. They didn't say they may do it. They required them to do it. You shall sell my primary residence and distribute the proceeds. Right. Well, they also had quite a few creditors and not a lot of liquid assets. So guess what? That house had to be sold, and those proceeds got to be gobbled up by those creditors. Um, had they just come in, we could have fixed that. We could have drafted them up a new will and we could have just left the, the primary residence, the homestead, as we call it in Florida, to their, their, their relatives and, and they wouldn't have had the problem with, uh, with creditors, most likely. You know? Again, I, and, you know, Dave and I say that, I, I realize it's easier said than done, but could play havoc for beneficiaries if you don't have that lined up. Oh, yeah. And listen, this is, again, it just goes back to the just take an hour or two two to three hours in your case, just to get it done right away. And then on average, 30 minutes to an hour a year, just to say, is this still what we want? And it's, it's like that with financial planning. We, we review and have strategy meetings with our clients just to stay on top of it. And some people truly want to set it and forget it, right? And then, and then know it's done, which yeah. in your world in estate planning is actually, sometimes that's okay. Not all the time, but- um, Sometimes it is okay. You know, I would tell you this too, Dave. Before this pandemic, 98%, 95, 
as close to 100% as you could possibly get of my consultations with estate planning clients were face-to-face. Reverse that number almost now. It's like 80, it's four out of five are now done via Zoom, via done via, by telephone call. It's, it's actually a lot easier than it was before to do it. And the attitudes have changed. People's attitudes have changed. They've become more, they're more tolerant. One positive, if anything, of this pandemic, if there is a positive, is that it, I think it fast forwarded our entire culture. And we've learned to work smarter and we've learned to work smarter and they're more tolerant to actually to, to meeting electronically now rather than face to face. I mean, I'm, you know, Dave, you're probably like me. I'm old fashioned. I like to meet people. I like to shake hands and definitely be face to face and talk because you you build that personal rapport with people. But I, you know, Hey, I'm not going to tell people, no, they can't have a consult with me unless they come face to face. Cause that's just, that's not good customer service, you know? Right. And and, I mean, again, it's, you've got uh, grandparents, I'm not picking on the grandparents out there, the, the older grandparents that all of a sudden had to figure out FaceTime and Zoom and whatever it might be to, to talk with a lot of their family members. So it fast forward to the professional world too. Uh, even this podcast, right? Someone right. as a result of that, or we're doing videos to our clients now. Like It's awesome, but I don't know if we would have done that without all of this other stuff happening. So if there was a positive that would be the positive. I've got one more question for you. And Ask then I'll let you go, Neil. I know you're a busy guy. I know you don't charge by the hour, by the way. So, uh, and you and I could talk all day about this. So, Oh, we indeed could. And, and it's a good thing because if you charge by the hour with the amount that you talk, it'd be a very expensive meeting with Neil. It but, truly wouldn't be fair to the estate planning clients. It really <laughs> wouldn't. So I, I've had this happen a number of times, and I'm not sure if you caught this in the episode, last episode on our estate planning, but I have had, because I'm the advisor on a number of accounts where the beneficiary in somebody's will does not match the beneficiary, let's say on their Roth IRA. Most people think, and I guess I'm just looking for a yes or no at the end of this. Most people think that the beneficiary on the will overrides the beneficiary on the account. And until somebody passes away, and then, then the, the kid, I've, I've had this happen. The kids have said, no, it says in the will that that Roth IRA should go to me 50%. But on the beneficiary designation, it's got it going to an ex-spouse. Who gets that money in Florida? That's the ex-spouse. That's right. So Now, it depends. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's simple, simple uh, based on that scenario. Yeah, that's, that's a scenario, right? It, any, yeah. Beneficiary designations are the best, what I like to call probate avoidance devices. Those assets typically will never see the light of a, of a probate administration courtroom ever um, because they pass outside of probate. So, right. and, I, and, I, and I just put out a quick blurb for the new year. One of the new year's resolutions for all my clients is to check your beneficiary designations, make sure they're up to date, make sure everybody that's on there, if it's not your spouse, tip, you know, in Florida, typically if you have a retirement account, it, the, the beneficiary needs to be a spouse. But if, if your spouse has passed away or you weren't married, make sure that anybody that you've listed as a beneficiary is still alive and I, change it up. Too. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting. I've had a, a few people actually say, well, well, you're a financial advisor. What do you have to do with estate planning? And I'll tell Everything. you, that, I know. It, I, well, I'm glad you say that. <laughs> and I didn't know you were going to. The integration is uh, and the overlap is tremendous where we're talking about beneficiaries and taxes that you may owe and how they pass and how to do it efficiently. And also your goals for your children and your grandchildren. What do you want to leave behind? And then the attorneys 
do the same, but then, but then actually execute and do the document. So we take it as far as I know the goals. I understand that. I know who we want the beneficiaries to be, but I'm not an attorney. So I don't actually do the documents that make that happen. And that's how we work with attorneys as advisors. So many times we'll get calls from attorneys that say, Hey, can you make sure the beneficiaries on your accounts match what we just put in the will? So we'll just call that beneficiary coordination. So that's all taken care of behind the scenes. After that's right. I like that. I like it's been beneficiary coordination. Something mm-hmm. that, you know, for and and obviously sometimes there are, you know, clients have reasons why they won't why those won't match up. But typically, as you're saying, they, yep. they're gonna match. Yep. Yep. I love it. So all right, Neil, I'm going to let you go. How can our listeners get in touch with you or where can they find you on social media? Or you said you did a blurb on beneficiaries. Did that Was that just an email to your clients? How can we find now, you? That gets uploaded to uh, our, you know, our, our firm, Lurson Goldberg's on Facebook. Um, that's L-U-H-R-S-E-N and then Goldberg, G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G. And then there's, um, you know, Lurson uh, Law Powered by Women.com. Um, there's also, they can email me directly at, uh, NTL at LG injury firm.com, or they can call the firm 941-212-2600. All those ways are good ways of, of finding out about us and contacting us directly. Well, Neil, you must be a good man, a patient man working with the firm powered by women. I'm sure we all appreciate it. Um, oh, they're pa- I gotta be honest, they're patient with me. So I'm, yeah, I'm actually I knew the one that's lucky that. here. I would have never I'm the said lucky that one, on a actually. podcast. I know that. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. <laughs> but Neil, we appreciate it. Thank you for your advice. Folks, reach out to Neil if you need any help. If you're planning on moving to Florida, let us know. Obviously, we can help with that. We have connections all over the place in, in many different states. But for now, Neil, appreciate your time. And Thank you, Dave. You got it, Neil. And ladies and gentlemen, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.